Hello, and welcome to Resolutions, a podcast produced by the ABA section of Dispute Resolution. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Martin. Today, I'll be speaking with Chris Draper. Among many other endeavors, Chris is the Managing Director of Troct, a cloud-based collaboration platform. He's also the co-chair for the Dispute Resolution Section Technology Committee, a fellow for the National Center for Technology and Dispute Resolution, and he also serves as a mediator. Uh, Chris, welcome, and thank you for coming on the podcast today. No, thank you very much for having me. I mean, I, it's really exciting to talk about all the really cool stuff that's happening with the section, especially with the, the, the increase in dependency and use of technology in the, in the field right now. Absolutely. And, you know, as I've said before on the podcast, one of the silver linings of the, the COVID pandemic is that, you know, through necessity, if nothing else, there's been a, a great number of um, innovations in technology, um, both with resolution and, you know, really with everything that we, we interact with in the world. We're going to talk a little bit later about the DR Tech Pit series, where you examine some of those newly developed and developing technologies in ADR. But for everyone that comes on the podcast, I like to talk a little bit about you know, their background and how they got involved in ADR to begin with. Um, so Chris, could you tell us a little bit about you know, how you got started in ADR um, and what drew you to dispute resolution? Yeah, and I'm, I came into the ADR section and into ADR in general a little differently than most because I actually was a technologist to start. So as an engineer by origin, my first career was really in aerospace. And what we did was we analyzed you know, what happened with big issues, you know, so rocket explosions, petrochemical explosions, uh, airplane issues. And so uh, my role there was really breaking these down and looking at not only what those effects were, but how, how do we avoid them? How do we actually prevent the blow up that has all that risk bodied around it? And so my real area of expertise as you looked at it was almost all these boil down to a human interacting with a technology that may be a high tech, maybe highly volatile technology in an area of, of limited understanding or limited data and really getting down to in these environments where there's a lot of uncertainty or there may be uncertainty with how to either use a technology or what the technology is producing or figuring out how do we help make sure the human makes the best decisions possible. That expertise is what in a lot of ways led me into ADR in general, originally through collective bargaining. Uh, within collective bargaining, what we started to see almost by accident, I was working in an incubator with, uh, with a, a certain firm and someone came through the door. And over the course of a few weeks, we really sort of boiled down a real problem in that space, being that in Iowa, where keep in mind scale, we have 0.1 million fewer working age adults in Chicago. So the mayor of Chicago has more constituents of the working age adults than, than our governor. We still have across you know, 348 school districts at the time, we were spending almost $30 million per year on the process of collective bargaining. It was that process of tracking the paper, making sure we understood stood where we stood, making sure we even got the right contract to the state at the end. That whole process we saw as an issue of the tools not fitting the humans. And so we really got down to a truck solving that problem first, which is when we look at mediation, we look at arbitration, we look at any ADR structure, and we got a big problem. We start by turning that big, big problem into a whole bunch of little problems that we can solve one by one by one. And so we realize that the platforms we're using, you know, Word documents going back and forth through email, made it really difficult to understand where you were 
it's really sort of defeating when you have a 500 pages every single time you think you've made process and you're sending it through a medium that's you know unsecure. Um, that entire process is horrible for humans and which is why it costs so much. We end up with bad outcomes. What we thought is, okay, let's, let's look at the human process. Let's fit the technology to the process versus fitting the people to the technology because that's what we know it works. And so we built the truck platform uh, to start back in 2013, which is uh, when you think of it either as a legally defensive Google Docs, or if you're a tech person, you think of it as GitHub for humans. Uh, it was a way that you could take any of your mediation, arbitration, facilitation processes, any of those types of decision structures into a shared document development environment that allows you to go piece by piece by piece, whether it be an interest-based process or whether it be a large contract you broke up into pieces, have your discussion separately, have your drafting working collaboratively, being able to close down and lock down pieces. So as we go through the process, we can see our percentage completion increasing. Um, all those different cool features that we saw when we really broke the human process of successful mediation, arbitration, successful ADR down, we said, how, how, can, we how can we operationalize these? How can we repeat them in a way that individuals, small firms, that anyone can buy in and use. And so while we started in collective bargaining, uh, because of the way we built the tool, we really were better positioned for you know, small, media, you know, small mediators or these uh, arbitrations, uh, construction arbitrations, one where we've seen massive uh, value. A lot of those pieces, the construction arbitrators sort of say, oh, hey, we can use an Excel sheet if we then do this piece and we actually do some notes on this piece. All that's in one spot for us. So when people start to get in, they realize, oh, this is, this flows how we use it. That's what we focused on. And the big thing that we're really tackling at the moment that we see is if we look at negotiation, we look at contract development, we look at resolution as we need to discuss what the issue is. We need to authenticate the solution we've arrived at. We need to make sure that's permanent going forward. It's that permanence piece we've really been focusing on really hard lately because whether you use our product or anything else, especially in dispute resolution, um, you're going to have so many technologies, so many platforms, so many things to choose from, so many things that work for you that it's more important to know that once you arrive at an answer, we wanna keep it nimble, we wanna keep it flexible, we wanna be able to store things different places if I'm the client. If I'm the arbitrator or the mediator, I wanna delete all that and get rid of it. So if we have a dispute in the future, how do we know whose digital file is right that's the big problem that Troc is solving right now with our thumbprinter, which is the ability to say, no matter what you use, we can take that thumbprint of what you're doing in 10 years down the future. Even if you don't have it all, if the two clients come back because this blew up and they say, this is what I was told was right. And this is what I was told I got. And they're completely different. We can prove what it is. And as we're seeing so many new tools, so many new technologies, we're not all going to come to one solution. The ADR community is not going to be in one space. So we really need to have some way to actually prove those anchors of truth, no matter what you use. And that's the big, big problem we're attacking to make sure that we can uh, be a part of this ecosystem that's growing and be a part as people are moving digital where they didn't have to think they needed to ever be before, how they can make sure they stay safe going forward while still staying flexible and not stuck to some long-term contract or long-term cost center that is avoidable now. Well, Chris, thank you for uh, telling me about your back, some of your background and about Troct. It, it's really a, an interesting company. And I think people nowadays are uh, starting to realize that 
ADR is more than just, you know, a mediator and arbitrator sitting in a room with people, uh, you know, giving presentations at them. Um, there's so many different tools that you can implement. And I think um, from what you said, Troct is get, doing a lot to uh, increase the, the uh, types and availability of those tools. Yeah, and I think that this is the, as, and this is one of the big pieces that I think the, the what's next tech series is very vitally important and where I think one of the big things we're trying to do with, as far as a tech committee is, is this technology piece isn't going away um, and not everyone's comfortable with it. And we need to start marrying up what is actually out there in the real world with what, um, you know, what actually works for your practice. And more importantly, when we're looking at a lot of the efforts that have been going on within the section of dispute resolution, the ABA more broadly, and our partnerships with you know, Pew and the National Center of Technology and Dispute Resolution and the AAA and all these other uh, efforts that have been going on focused around how should we view this new environment? What should we be conscious of and careful of? And how can we make reasonably informed decisions about what we choose to use in our ADR practices? Um, a lot of times it is, is correct that we're probably not going to go around to be sitting in the same room for a while. We're going to be sitting in these digital rooms for, you know, for most of us, this is probably how a lot of these are, are going to be handled going forward. Um, there is a different structure to how you communicate with technology. There's a different strategy for how you can be heard through these technologies and understanding those pieces. The, the great work that, you know, for example, uh, IMI is doing with a lot of their courses uh, on how to help people understand how to better use these technologies to facilitate their, their, their mediations and arbitrations. You know, there will be a major shift that we need to realize. 80% um, of our communication is nonverbal. It isn't what was said, it was how it was said, it's that distance, it's that proximity, that's touch. That's how we've all been trained. We've, all, we've always been trained to feel the room. Well, when the, when the room is your bathroom on an ironing board and you're sitting there with a video thing, hopefully without a cap filter on. Um, and I think that what was very, very interesting, the most interesting part about that cap filter video for me was the understanding of humanity that I think we've sort of glossed over when we hop into a room all suited up and we're, we're on our best stage at that point in time and trying to play off everyone's stage there is a very different environment where people are able to be human on one side while the technology is completely inhuman. And we need to understand how we're going to use that effectively. Um, we need to understand what are the biases in these texts, what are the risks in these texts. Um, and I think that's, that's a lot of what our goal is as far as the tech committee is, is intending to do. How can we start to structure a series of opportunities to learn about what's out there? How can we start to structure opportunities to learn about just because tech's there doesn't mean it should be used. Right? And just because the tech is usable doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. We, we still have, you know, when these techs come in, what is reasonable protection? The ABA has guidance that says you're responsible for reasonable protection of your client's data and privacy confidentiality. What does that practically mean? And there's a few fundamentals of how a technology operates, which dictates whether or not you are reasonably protecting whether you're reducing the risk that you're posing to your client's data, your client's information, your client's confidentiality, there, there are real strategies we need to be aware of and understand. And, and some of those are how we interact with these tools. You know, uh, if, if, if you came into a mediation uh, and, uh, and one of the parties was, uh, had, a, had an aneurysm and only had 50% of the words, you'd be really pissed, you know? But 
if we hop on Zoom and you've just lost 80% of your nonverbal communication strategies, why isn't that a problem? We would argue it is. We would argue the vast majority of the pathways for solving it come down to understanding what the technology is, what it can do, what it should do, and putting individuals in our section in touch with those tools and experts that can help them understand how to integrate technologies right for their human processes, not just, oh, here's a cool new flavor, let's try that. We need to actually really think about this as the true process that ADR is moving into a digital environment that may or may not be distributed and make sure the tools that we have, we have sufficient education, but most importantly, a tool that is designed to reduce the human risk that we know will happen. That's the, really the goal of our, our series, our expo and our section moving forward in a lot of ways. So I, I think one, the, one of the last things you said is something that I've seen a lot as we've moved into an increasingly, I think, digital world is that um, you can have access to dozens or hundreds of different uh, pieces of technology, um, your programs, what have you. Um, but just because you have access to them doesn't mean that they're going to be the right fit for what you're trying to do or that you will recognize one, that you have access to them or two, how to appropriately use them. So I, I think that, you know, finding that best fit and also the education piece are some of the most um, crucial components to, you know, fully realizing the tech that we you know, are developing or already have in place. Um, and I think, what you're here to talk about today, the, the tech pitch series is something that goes a long way to do both of those things. Um, and, you know, the, I think the basics of the tech pitch series are having these innovators in the technology sector come in and uh, discuss um, in, uh, with these ADR practitioners, you know, new developments in technology around dispute resolution. Um, so please uh, tell me a little bit more about the, the tech pitch series and, you know, how, um, the, the technology committee is um, implementing that. Yeah, and I think you make a brilliant point there, which we've, we typically tend to think of, uh, technology is a lot like prescription medication. When they're assembled correctly, awesome. You get some mismatches, eh, you're dead. And so we need to start having enough of an understanding of what these tools are and how they, especially how they integrate. Um, how do they sync data? In, in ways that we don't expect. How do they save things? You know, when you look at your email that now has these AI pieces and it starts to say, oh, maybe you should use this word or maybe use this word. Those suggestions are all predicated on certain assumptions that may or may not be reasonable for your practice. And some people don't fully feel comfortable with where the bounds of what exists is and where it really isn't. Um, AI is a big word that is, you know, scary in a lot of ways and has the potential to be problematic but when you truly look at it, it hasn't really been implemented broadly in the ways that we think it has. And so through these issues of, uh, in some cases, miscommunication, to put it lightly, in some ways you could say, you know, misadvertising on the, on the part of the tech side. What we wanted to do is say, let's put the two sides in the room. We have always had problems where the practitioner says, oh man, I bought this thing. It doesn't do what I think it was supposed to do. Like, why, why is it broken? It was never supposed to work that way. Or on the other side, the other side says, oh, I put in this really, really cool feature and why aren't they getting it? All this stuff they could do. And the other side, I, I didn't even know I wanted that. 
we have this miscommunication through a lack of you know, contact with what the tools are. And that was the real big thing that we're looking to solve with both the Tech Expo and most importantly in these one-offs with the DR Tech Pitch Series. With the What's Next DR Tech Pitch Series, um, what we learned from the Tech Expo, when we set the Tech Expo up last year, we have a new one coming up in July 12th through 16th. What we took for the Tech Expo and made it fundamentally different from the, the, the broader ABA uh, Expo and from some of our other programming pieces was we realized when it came to technology, we hadn't done the work required to inform, uh, help individuals inform themselves on how to look at these tools. So within the Tech Expo, what we did was we structured it into what we called functional layers. You know, so everything that did real-time communication, we put them in the same room side to side so you can see what's different. What, what makes Legaler different than Zoom, different than Teams, different than any other, uh, you know, any other video conferencing platform you have? We looked at case intake. What, what makes this case intake platform different than this one? What makes Mediate.com or Arbitrate.com different than um, you know, Clio uh, or different than uh, some of the other case intake platforms, right? But most importantly within dispute resolution technology, the, the piece that is the meat that is distinctly different about dispute resolution is how do I gather data? How do I turn that data into information? How do I allow that information to reduce the number of options that I have in a meaningful and appropriate way? And then how do I make sure that that resolution we arrived at is permanent? Those sections of that process is what we would consider dispute resolution technology. So, you know, billing is important, we get it, you know, and uh, making sure that if someone comes in and wants to use a chat bot to figure out if your case is good or not, that's important, we get it. But where we are distinctly different, unique and valuable is in, how do I make sure that I am gathering the right data appropriately? How do I make sure that the technology I'm using allows me to synthesize that data effectively? A, a great mediator isn't someone who, depending on your strategy for the mediation, but your, your traditional sort of, you know, I don't know, completely neutral and partial individual isn't, isn't someone who is able to actually say, oh, I think this or I think that. It's someone who's able to synthesize all the elements of the room and help the individuals in a lot of ways ex explore how to build a constructive solution with each other. That's the skill. And that's a very, very important skill. And being able to actually have that dispute resolution tech have that decision support tech is something that is able to, in an unbiased way, enable that feature is vitally important. And then knowing once we get to that resolution of the parties arrived at in a mediation space and make sure that that is able to be permanent, you know, that section of DR tech is, is where we can really be uniquely different, but where we're, we're under aware of our options. So when we hosted the actual dispute resolution tech expo, what we saw traffic wise was we were like six to one on traffic that went through our educational uh, room versus our uh, even our, our, our note-taking, our um, documentation room. We were four to one on case management versus our dispute support, uh, dispute support technology. And so seeing that we had really, even after we'd set up an educational focused expo that tried to do a really great job. I mean, on day one, we had uh, Leah Wing and, um, and Amy Schmitz uh, who's co-chair of the uh, tech committee actually run a great orientation session on here's how we should be looking at these technologies so we can be informed as we go through these rooms. 
On day two, we had David Larson do a great session on uh, great session on accessibility, something we don't really think about too much with the technology. Like, oh, well, we came out of the package. It must be good. I'm sure it's fine. It's often not. We need to be really thoughtful about access from technology design perspective, which is something David Larson um, does a phenomenal job working on. Into, um, uh, you know, on day four, we had uh, Susan Guthrie and Simon, uh, Simon Bomi uh, and uh, Anna Sambold talk about the strategy of communication on these platforms. These education pieces are built into that expo to help people understand what they should be looking for our What's Next pitch series is designed to give them an opportunity to take that structure of assessment and apply it to this cool new tech that's coming up. This new tech may come in, they say, hey, we're gonna solve this problem. They from the tech side need to know, is my assumption of a problem, is my problem solution, does it make sense? Uh, do people see this as a problem? Is this billing structure I have reasonable? Who am I competing against? What, am I, what problem am I solving relative to others? That's what they need to know. Even if they have a tool that's already sort of out there, um, ADR Notable, which is a great, which is a great tool for note taking within a, within a mediation space. It's really structured to help individuals who uh, run mediations professionally. To actually, it, it mimics a lot of the ways that they want to take those notes that in, as the mediation is going. That's a tool that has a few areas where it could develop more. And so they just did a pitch on, hey, we've got this new feature. We've got, we, we believe billing is a problem. We believe billing is a challenge. We need to know from the community that's going to use this and is using it. What are you thinking about? What is different? How can we actually be helpful? Where can we fit? So we want to put those innovative companies that have something you could use, at least in sort of a beta mode that's out there you can put your hands on, get in front of those who are in, actual users and ask the question, hey, what do you actually want? And at the same time, we can let our members be able to see, oh, here's the technology. And if you say, hey, well, why, why doesn't it come down and actually you know, mow my lawn as well? You can say, well, you know what? The tech doesn't really be able to do that. Or if you know, if you all of a sudden say, well, can I just press a mediator button and a mediator will pop out? Well, no, AI is not there yet. Or if we can say, hey, well, I just heard you could read all my cases and write up my resolution for me. Can you do that? Well, we can't do that either knowing where those bounds are from our membership and getting them more comfortable with, here's the state of the art, here's what we're thinking, here's what we can do and why we can't do it, and letting our members ask those pointed questions of, hey, I need to do this, and hearing either, oh, we can actually do that, that makes sense, or more importantly, hearing, well, it turns out the uh, fully, you know, fully aware bots are going to take over the world aren't ready yet, so we can't do that one letting both the technologists know what's needed in our space and let our practitioners know where the boundaries of possible and the boundaries of accessible are is a vital, vital piece for us as a community. And most importantly, as what we hope to be leaders of that community from a technology identification selection and, and uh, um, guiding side. Uh, these I think are very, very valuable uh, events that people can arrive at. They take less than an hour. You have five minutes for the sponsor to give a spiel at the beginning. Uh, you have an eight minute pitch where it's really sort of value prop. What do we think, you know, what's our problem? What's our solution? What's our pricing we're thinking about? Where do we fit into this market? And then a facilitated 14 minutes where everyone can actually communicate back and forth, ask some questions. Um, and if you're new to this, if you've never been to one of these pitch things before, 
and you aren't sure what question you really want to say, you don't want to look stupid with it, you can type that into the facilitator. And we, we actually get facilitators in there who are experts in this space of innovation, of assessing these, of assessing these technologies, who uh, Jason Gross did our last two, and he does, a, he's out of a 15 years in the insure tech space. He does a great job of understanding what the thrust of that question is. So when it gets asked by you, it sounds really, really smart as well, really insightful, which is really exciting to be able to help people feel more comfortable about engaging with these new tech and with these innovators. Remember, just, you know, just like the snake in the yard, they're scared of you as you are scared of them. So the most important piece, hop in, ask the questions. Don't be afraid of saying, you know, this is something I don't know, because the truth is with technology and ADR, uh, we're in something new. There is, uh, there's one book on it. We have, uh, you know, edition two is coming out from the National Center Technology and Dispute Resolution is facilitating a, a release party for that book. But again, most of the problems we're seeing in ODR, the book hasn't been written yet. So no question is dumb. So please come to one of these pitches and ask it. And then also come to the uh, come to the Tech Expo and actually uh, help help work with us to to understand what we need to do to make sure we can properly uh, help our community understand how to think about the tech that we're going to be needing now and moving forward. And some of the things that really about the Tech Pitch series and its its structure is one. I mean, it's it seems accessible. I mean, like you said, it's a bite sized chunk of a presentation. Um, it's something that is meant to be understandable um, and interactive. And I think touching on something we talked about earlier, it seems like these are a, a way to get people to acknowledge tech that, you know, they're not necessarily asking for that, but that could be revolutionary. So I'm thinking of the note-taking app. I, I can think of so many people who would say, why would I need a note-taking app? I have a piece of paper and a pen or I have Word. But it, those, that's one of those products where you may not be clamoring and saying, I really, really wish there was a really good mediation note-taking app. But once you have access to it, you see how it works, you see it's intuitive, uh, you see it's structured around how you want to take notes in a mediation. I, that seems like the type of product that can really become you know, essential for people in that space um, that you may not have even recognized that it's something that you wanted. But with the tech pitch series, you know, you see, uh, you see the pitch go up. Uh, you think maybe I'll attend that. You get in there and you start interacting and asking questions. You know, it works. You know, that really seems like the, a great way to introduce people to all these different varieties of technology that they may not otherwise, you know, even um, consider. When I think as we're going, one of the things that the pandemic has has shown us is that. Uh, a lot of those processes that we relied on in the one-off situation that wasn't a big deal, we could figure it out before. Now we're doing it constantly, right? And with everything that has a failure rate to it, the more you do it, the more it will fail. And the, the challenge there as we start to move more into the future is what we'll realize is the, those tools like Word documents via email where you know we send the wrong email someone once in a while, right? We miscommunicate what we're saying in that email once in a while. The wrong file gets attached once in a while. And once in a while, that's fine, I guess. But when all of a sudden higher value disputes are going through that channel and that channel is being used more and more and more, uh, when you are either uh, misdirecting data, when you are corrupting data by making it un not understandable, or you're accidentally deleting data, those are data breaches. And email 
is causing data breaches that are human driven. We are nine to one the data breach in almost all of our interactions as we go online. And as we start to look at, again, the, the ABA's definition of reasonable protection, it is our responsibility, it's our ethical responsibility in this field to reduce the probability of something going wrong when it, with respect to technology. Word documents were meant to copy typewriters. That's an archiving function. No one got on a typewriter and said, you know what, I'm gonna be creative on this typewriter. They got creative on paper and they typed it out on a typewriter and then they sent it and someone else got creative on paper and then they said on a typewriter again, but we did it by courier. So we knew the guy was gonna get there, right? But we didn't say, you know, it would be really, really awesome. What if we used a typewriter and then shot it across town with something that has a 95% chance of getting there and then they're going to mark it up on a typewriter again and shoot it back across town with that same error rate. And that's going to be awesome. Because if we actually did that, if we actually had typewriters and carrier pigeons, we'd be pretty pissed off with the outcome. Yet we've now tried to just keep adjusting that tool that wasn't designed to do what it was supposed to do in that old trust environment into something now where the stakes are higher, the technology options are better, and we need to know what we should be using. You know, the, the, the internet was built by a bunch of engineers in a basement, which isn't necessarily a bad thing as an engineer who spent some time in a basement, but it is something to say they had a community of trust that was why that system worked. When we're now into the wider world, we need to be smarter about the technologies we're using because it's our responsibility as neutrals to ensure the trust through the privacy and confidentiality or, you know, obligations we have to those we support. And not knowing what your options are in this world that is rapidly changing is our biggest threat to the industry. Because if you start to see, you know, if, if you're doing a you know, $50 million divorce and you send, you know, encrypted email in a state like Iowa, if I had $50 million to get divorced with, if all of a sudden I got an encrypted email from a divorce attorney intended for my partner, the value of that dispute has just been released. And we need to start thinking about the technology as being a supporter of the human processes that we're needing to use. And with that, we need to get smarter about saying, encrypted email isn't this be all end all solution. The arrival of the package is often more revealing than what's in the package. And technology is your fastest, in some ways most dangerous, but at the heart, our biggest opportunity for changing how we look at facilitating and delivering on these relationships that people are going to be expecting in this new distributed world that we are not coming back from. We need to be real clear that this is how the majority of our activities are going to be remaining in many cases for many of us. And we need to know uh, this new environment we're working in, how we navigate it safely, securely, reasonably in regard with our ethical obligations. And that's why we're really, really excited that these, um, that the team we have helping support these programs uh, is able to help keep them alive and keep, uh, you know, keep them growing towards what we hope will be great educational engagement opportunities for all of our members. Um, just so everyone knows, um, could you tell me a little bit about, you know, the logistics of the TechPit series, you know, where can people 
uh, get access to these, you know, where, where can I go to, you know, view one and participate, um, you know, any information that I need to kind of access the tech pitch series. Yeah, so for the tech pitch series, please, uh, hopefully if you're listening to this, you're already a member of the section dispute resolution. So if you're not, the, the membership rates are awesome. Susan Guthrie can get you get you connected in and make sure you're a member of the, of the ABA, especially with the section dispute resolution. And if you just join the technology uh, community within ABA Connect, uh, every time we have a pitch series, we send out an invite to everyone. Uh, anyone who's on there can join in. Um, the uh, the tech pitch series really goes as soon as someone's ready. So the goal of it is to be, again, a value add for both the technologist and to our community. So there isn't a regular schedule on them, but the best way to get knowing about what's coming up next and when it's coming up is to both join the tech committee, uh, tech committee community within ABA Connect. We have a monthly meeting. Uh, every the third Wednesday of every month where we discuss what's coming up next, how to get engaged, or even how to actually send out information to, uh, to others who might want to pitch. So I would say number one way to please stay abreast of the DR Tech, uh, uh, DR Tech uh, pitch series, please join us on ABA Connect, uh, follow, follow the events, and please sign up at no cost to you when, when one pops up, where we're doing our best to keep them accessible over uh, lunch hour time or down to a, to a breakfast time, where we're working on insights as to when, when works best in people's schedule. It's a constant learning process, and we would love for you to be a part of the, part of the ride as we learn along with us. And if someone has something, uh, a, a piece of technology they'd like to pitch, uh, how should they reach out? Yeah, so if you'd like to reach out to me directly uh, at chris at trox.com, I can get you a link to the uh, to register your intent to actually uh, pitch and uh, we'll get you on the schedule. So as soon as you're ready uh, and have a pitch that you think is uh, what represents your company best, we'll, we'll get you up and get you going. Uh, or if you join through the uh, join into ABA Connect on the uh, technology section. There are uh, a number of different uh, posts uh, that have the link embedded there as well. Chris, thank you so much for coming on today and for talking about the DR Tech Pit series. It, it sounds like a really fascinating opportunity and it's just a great way to access some of these new pieces of technology that are coming out in the ADR space. So I, I'm excited to attend um, as many as I can, frankly, because, you know, there's always something new and exciting on the horizon. Um, but I'm really glad that our listeners get the opportunity uh, to connect and to attend these techniques as well. So thank you for coming on. No, thank you very much for the time. And for those who can't make them one day, if you become a member of the section, you can also find all the old ones too and watch them all in one place as well. So we would love to have you the next one, Adam. And thank you very, very much for having us on today. Well, thank you again, Chris. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Um, and we will see you with another episode of Resolutions in two weeks. Thank you.